Did you all have a good Christmas? Yeah. Did you all eat too much? Spend too much time with family. Spend, of course, you can't spend too much time with family. Nobody ever said family were like kryptonite. For all of you who don't have Superman references, kryptonite's the one thing that sucked the life out of Superman. We love our families, don't we? But sometimes when we're around them. (laughs) Anyway, thank God for his grace. (laughs) Moving swiftly on, it's been special. So the other thing I want to say is that I appreciate and I would think we all should know and do know that it can be an incredibly difficult time of year. So if it's been a difficult time of year for you, uh, I'm sorry that's been the case, but uh, I hope that you find God's love, certainly in the community here and in the fact that he loves you. And this message about the light of love hopefully has impacted you through a time that can be quite difficult. So next week is our uh, first communion of 2018. And Thank you, Russell. And also, we're going to have three weeks. Um, Andrew's going to kick it off with his prophetic sense for the year. Um, and then it's going to be me, and then it's going to be Mark. So just to give you a little bit of background about what a prophetic word or what prophecy is, for, uh, there's two component parts to it. Basically, it's about communicating what God's thinking about his heart towards and his intentions for a person, uh, a subject, what he's planning to do. So there's two elements to it. One is foretelling, which is communicating what God will do, normally conditional on our participation. A lot of the times we can get these spectacular words about God, God's going to do this and this and this and this and this and this, and we don't change a thing about how we think or how we're being, and we wonder why it's not being fulfilled. Um, the other part then is foretelling, which is about God communicating what he is doing which sometimes is more profound, well, they're both profound, but when God explains to you something that is happening to you right now, it's about like, my goodness, I didn't see that. So be expectant. We want uh, to be aware of what he's doing with us. So as I said, Andrew's next week, it's myself the week after, and then Mark after that. You may think, why the three? Seriously, that's a bit of overkill. Well, it's a bit like there's a diamond in the middle of the room, Andrew's got this perspective, Mark's got this one, and I've got this one. So we're all going to be looking at it, and hopefully together you'll get quite a full picture of what the Lord wants to do this year. Okay, so the end of a year, what I do, and I always tell Claire that I do it, and she's like, meh. Well, what I do at the end of the year is think about the year that's gone past and about the things that have been significant to me. Whether it's been difficult things, whether it's been wonderful things, um, I just sit down, normally in my time with God in the morning, and just ask him, okay, bring to my mind what's happened. And as I go through, it's normally remarkable the different things that have happened in the year, the things that we forget, the difficult experiences, the wonderful experiences, what things we've learned. And I just want to to encourage you to do that. Have a think about the year that's gone past. This is our first full year of uh, church on Sunday mornings. My goodness, how did we get here? We've looked at so many different things. Um, We launched on the 8th of January, and we looked at uh, a house for community, church as a hospital for healing the broken, uh, church as a school for learning, an army for mission. We looked for several weeks at worship, what it means to reach, uh, what kingdom worldview it is, what worldviews we have, and what ones that are in the kingdom. Um, It's all about who, about who it's not, and about who it is about, about mind matters, and then finally about the light of love. Now, why do I mention it? Well, we don't want to forget what we've been taught. It's too easy. We can uh, remember or learn whenever something's happening to us, like in Mind Matters. For me, that was one of the most uh, impacting messages to hear and to deliver. It just pummeled me over and over and over and over again. 
So I don't want to forget any of that. So let me encourage you not to forget. First Chronicles 16, 12, keep remembering the awesome deeds that he has done along with his miracles and the rulings that he's handed down. So it's a biblical principle that we remember. So remember what he's doing in your life and remember what he's been doing in the life of your church um, and also what he's been doing in the world. And don't forget that when you... Uh, communicate to others what God's done with you or when you give your yes to God you prophesy to other people that it's possible for them too so tell your stories share your journey and don't forget where you've been what you've been saved from and what you've learned in the process sound like a plan okay so for the final time let's give a quick recap on where we've been with the light of love so the light of love shines on us then it shines in us and then it shines through us So last week we looked at the light of love that came. Love came down at Christmas and it never left. Um, And that Christmas we're in the world, but we've got to stop the world from getting into us. And everybody in the Christmas story was seeking something and we need to be seeking the king, not protecting our own areas of influence, but seeking the influence of the king. So can I ask, did you get a bit of time and seek him this Christmas? Did you get caught up in just the flurry of it all? Or did you go, okay, this is actually about an infant king? and what he wants to do in my life. And you could do that. You apply that to every day of your life. You look every day and go, okay, where are you and what are you doing? Your life will be utterly changed and transformed by that. And this morning, we want to look at the light of love that dawns. Perfect timing because it's a New Year's Eve. So this is Isaiah 60, verses 1 to 3. Arise, this is the amplified version, so it obviously amplifies it, and I'm going to read what it says to you. So arise from spiritual depression to a new life. Shine, be radiant with the glory and brilliance of the Lord, for your light has come, and the glory and brilliance of the Lord rises upon you. For in fact, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness will cover the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon you. And his glory and brilliance will be seen on you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. So this is all about endings and beginnings. And New Year's Eve, we're on the cusp of a new beginning. Lamentations 3, 22 to 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are renewed every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now that's every morning, and this is a new year. Even in the world, everybody's talking about, well, what's your New Year's resolution going to be? How many of you would do that? Do you always do the New Year's resolutions? I kind of gave up a long time ago because everybody came in with, I'm going to do this, I'm going to change to be this, I'm going to stop doing that, and I'm going to do this, and it's going to be amazing. And then three weeks in, they're like, ah, well, give me some cookies. I'm going to drink coffee again, or I'm going to do this, or whatever it is that you're going to do. It never really works. Now, the world even recognizes that this is an opportunity for change and newness, but it's dependent on your willpower, isn't it? How strong we are. And actually, if we do overcome it in our own strength, then that kind of just puffs us up and we're all this. Well, I did it in my strength, and therefore you don't, you're weaker than me. Whereas what we're talking about is his power. So actually, if we're able to do it, we're going, look at me. Oh my, look. If I can do this, you can do this. So here we stand at the edge of a new year, and it's an opportunity for change. We're talking about change and difference due to his presence and his activity in our lives, dependent on our participation. So he's standing at the cusp of this new year going, 
Come on. Now, I don't know the particulars of those things for you, but you need to. And for you to know those things, you need to say to him, what do you have for me this year? Now, we're going to deliver our prophetic sense over the next three weeks as to what we believe the Lord wants to do this year. But what I would encourage you to do is get your own as well. Sit with him and say, what do you have for me this year? Where's he inviting you into? Now, we can stand and go, oh, well, the Lord's inviting me into this and not move. Or we can go, oh, here we go. And be stretched and step another bit along and go, oh, it really hurts. Oh, your soul man screams, I don't want to do this anymore. But we maybe take another step and another step and another step and another step. And what do you know? For those of you this year who you found profound spiritual change this year and your life's been changed and transformed, it's not because of one big lottery ticket of an experience. I guarantee you it is because of this little bit and this little bit and this little bit and this little bit, which adds up to a bigger picture of change and transformation. Have you not found that to be true? And equally, change for the worse comes by this little bit and this little bit. And this little bit, I'm just not, I can't be bothered. And sure, what does it matter? And sure, what's another cookie? Sure, what's another thing here? And well, sure, I'll just not bother. So little by little, day by day, we start to make the change in our lives. So there's an opportunity that's present. And I'm a gardener. Most of you knew that. Love gardening. Russell, you love gardening too. So when spring comes, there's an opportunity. And if I have the right seeds, the seeds that I want to plant, and I seize that opportunity and get all all, uh, organized, I remember saying to Andrew, I'm not that administrative. And he said, well, you seem to be able to plant seeds and get them to maturity and have it all organized and everything's together there. As I stood and went, right enough. Maybe shouldn't do that. And then he also said, don't define yourself by what you're not. But if you're organized... And if you have got the right seed and you plant the right seed and you care for the right seed, is it going to happen in a week? Or a little bit down the line, are you eventually going to be able to enjoy the flowers, the fragrance, share the fruit with other people? So this is an opportunity for you this year. It's an opportunity for us as a church. What we plant in season will bear fruit in season. So what I'm communicating this morning is that this is a beginning of a season. And the season requires us to plant seeds. And if we do that and care for those seeds, then we're going to yield a harvest. So don't miss it. Neil Anderson, uh, who wrote a book called, he's written several books, but one that really impacted me was Victory Over the Darkness. And he said a number of things. But one thing he said that really uh, marked me was, freedom is not the choices that we make but it's the consequences of those choices. So as we start to uh, think about, right, well, what choices do I want to make so that, rather than, well, I've just got my liberty, I can do what I want, eat what I want, not do what I want, watch what I want, say what I want. Well, yes, you can, but ultimately you're going to reap the fruit of that. So freedom is not the choices we make, but the consequences of those choices. So let's look at dawn. This is about the light of love that dawns. So this is from Psalm 19, verses 1 to 4. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the expanse of heaven is declaring the work of his hands. Day after day pours forth speech, and night after night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there spoken words from the stars. Their voice is not heard, yet their voice 
in quiet evidence has gone through all the earth. So dawn often, not always, but sometimes is a very beautiful thing for those who are in the position to witness it. When there's a dawn, there's a beauty to it. If you come to midday, like right now, it's quite bright. If it was the summertime, we'd probably be squinting on it. We're squinting on it even now. But if you're there for dawn, what's it like? It's golden or it's deep reds or, you know, the sunlight hits something that's normally quite ugly and it just all of a sudden looks like it's on fire. Or if you're in a forest at that time of day, whenever that golden light comes. There's a beauty to it. Ecclesiastes 11.7 says, Light is sweet and it pleases the eye to see the sun. So in the natural, it's good for us to be in light. It makes us feel better. There was a guy who uh, came into work over the Christmas period and he married a lady who is Swedish. And we were just chatting and I said, you guys don't get much light. He said, there was a November where I saw three days of sunlight. And I said, whoa. And he said, I had no idea how that would affect me mentally. He said that they have uh, cafes that are called like cafes of light. And people basically open at seven o'clock in the morning. People go in, get their cup of coffee or whatever. Probably in Sweden, they don't drink coffee because it would be far too unhealthy. Although Ikea would convince you that they do. Um, But you go in and then you sit under these artificial lights and it kind of revives you. So physically, we need light. Spiritually, answer me this, do we need light? don't we? Absolutely. We've got to have his light. There's a richness to the light in the morning at dawn. Dawn heralds the day ahead. There's a gentleness to it as well. So when we're talking about dawn, let's get away from this image of when God moves. It's da-da-da. We all think that? Yeah. God's spoken to me this morning. Da-da. Yes. Don't we all have that mentality? The Lord speaketh to me this morning. Da-da. Yeah. When in actual fact, it's like, Colin, why don't you just get up five minutes earlier? Why don't you say no to that bun? Or why don't you walk instead of taking the car? Or why don't you just not say that thing? Why don't you just, Claire's often saying to me, just say that a little bit differently. Just, just a little tweak. Just a little tweak. Why have we been spun the lie that it's always this? Ta-da! When dawn comes, it comes gradually. Remember Billy Connolly talking about when you're in Africa, in the jungle, it goes from day, night. Well, we live in a part of the world where it's really, really, really gradual. So at this dawn, at this beginning of this new season of your life, just expect the gradual. Now, if God did switch on the daylight strip from darkness, we would all be going, turn it off, turn it off, it's too bright, it's too bright. But actually, if we stand in his presence, And at the dawn of this new year, if we just stand there and stand there and stand there, we're going to be able to take in way more light than we ever could if we kept running away. So at this dawn, make your decision and your commitment to stand your ground. And stay put. And even when it gets a little bit hot, it gets a little bit uncomfortable, just stay put. Because he is doing something in you. Keep yourself exposed to his light. Depending on what's happened during the night that precedes it, there's a relief in the dawn. For any of you who have suffered any sort of mental torment, um, i.e. depression or anything else, whatever you want to call it, whenever light comes, it's an absolute joy. It just feels like, my goodness, I'm not waking up under this cloud. So whenever the night is over, there's a hope to it. 
There's no competition to the darkness and the light. Every time the light shows up, the darkness has no choice. It just has to go away. And we've been banging on about this, but it's perfect love that drives out fear. And we also need to let go of the night. For the experiences that we've had where it's been dark and it's been difficult, or that season, rather than continuing to communicate it over and over again. Now, please hear me. There is absolutely a time and a season where we need to talk about the pain and the things that we've suffered. But after that season is over, the only thing that it does to keep communicating those things is to keep it alive. And we want to forget about the night. Because the night's not here anymore. The dawn's come. And the dawn's about a new day. And even the darkness, the things that happened in the darkness, if you let the light shine on it, you'll understand it in a different way. And there'll be some healing for you. So please let go of the darkness. Let the darkness be exposed. Let yourself be freed. And let God heal you from the effects of the darkness. Now the other thing with the dawn is, you need to be awake to witness it. If you want to witness the dawn in the natural, you need to get up. You'll enjoy it more the more awake you are. Now, can you handle me talking about you, love? So when I first got married, we would have gone to bed in wonderful form with each other. And it was just, you know, birds are singing. It's just lovely. Everything's perfect. Fallen in love, got married. And it's just, just, a, just beautiful. And then I woke up. <laughs> and when I woke up, I woke up beside... <coughs> Um, do you want a cup of tea? Mm. Would you like a pancake with a cup of tea? Mm. Uh, would you like jam with a cup of tea? Stop asking me questions in the morning time. When I wake up, I'm awake. I'm awake. It's just calling. Now, I may wake up grumpy like I was the night before, but I'm consistent. There's nothing else. But when Claire wakes up, it takes her a significant amount of time. So whatever way you are, poor Claire, poor Claire, whatever way you are when you wake up, Make sure that you're wide awake. We want to be awake to be able to witness the dawn. So if you're finding that you're kind of spiritually a wee bit asleep, you're a wee bit drowsy, or after Christmas, I want to be honest. Christmas allows us to switch off. I find that switching off for me is wonderful and awful because you don't really want to switch back on again. So you've got to get over your soul, man. Like, I go back to work tomorrow and it's been a lovely Christmas time. I don't want to. I don't want the adult today. Don't make me. All right, just got to get on with it. When I get on with it, it's all fine and we just get on and we're back to normal and it's all all right. But the process of waking up can be a difficult one. And I'm convinced that we can make it worse for ourselves. I don't want to go to work tomorrow. Shouldn't have to go to work tomorrow. Claire's a teacher. She's off for two weeks. That's not fair. Kids are still off. Why do I have to go back to work? Or it's just what I do. So we want to do whatever we have to do to get ourselves to be awake. Because even though that when we're asleep, we can find comfort in the dreaming and comfort in that fantasy world, really that's not where he is. And if you're living in some sort of fantasy cuckoo land about how life should be and, you know, just all should be perfect and all all right, we've got to wake up to the reality of where we are. This life is difficult and this is tough, but it is more beautiful and wonderful than we could imagine. God is not present in the dreaming. If you're waiting for him to walk into your dreams, he's not going to do that. He wants to walk into your reality. Now, that's a tough one. His grace is enough. But it's only enough when you're standing in the reality of where you're actually standing. So let's be awake to where we actually are. And when we do that, 
when we let him come into the reality of the things that we experience and the difficulties that we have and the pain that we've brought from the past, then actually even it gets transformed and renewed. And what happens is the dream world doesn't have a scratch on the reality. Yeah? Does that sound like a plan? Painful? Yeah. We're going to need each other. That's all right. It's designed to be like that. But when we invite him into reality and we step into reality, then it all starts to change. So if you want the witness to dawn, you need to make preparations to make sure you're awake. Preparations necessary to ensure that you're not asleep to the activity of God in your life. And don't escape into dreams, but be present in reality. So God is calling us to awaken to the reality of his presence with us. How do we do that? Spend time with him. How do we do that? Well, we notice the things that he points out. You're walking around. Why do I keep noticing that thing? This morning, I kept noticing a symbol on one of the doors. And I knew exactly what it was about. And I turned around and I noticed it on the other door. Now, that could be coincidence or else we go, no, it's the Spirit speaking to you very simply and clearly. You know what you need to do, Colin. Now get up and do it. We read his word, we spend time in his word, and we let his word get into us. We ask him what he thinks about things. What are you up to this year? What do you want to do with me? What things do you want me to change? What do you want me to add to my life? What do you want to do for me this year? And we listen to those who are called to lead you, because we, as leaders, often have a different perspective on your life than you do. For many years, I was a portrait photographer, and I showed lots of people their, their um, images. And the conclusion that I came to is largely that women hate how they look. Just most of them would walk in and go, do you Photoshop? Because I'm so fat and ugly that you can never get a good picture of me. Is basically what the majority of them were saying. I don't mean that to be offensive. But what I noticed was that women largely hate how they look. And one woman in particular, when we were showing her her image, could not could not look at herself. Do we all just go, oh, well, that's all right, she hates herself. Or do we maybe go, I actually said, because her husband was there, I said, just for the record, I don't see what you see. The husband went, thank you. Been saying it for years. So when there are those in a place of leadership and position and come along and say, you might want to look at that. Please, I understand that that can be difficult. I get that. I really do. But don't react and run away. Stop and listen and go, what if? Sometimes it's the wonderful stuff. Sometimes it's the more difficult stuff. But whatever, ask questions. You can get frustrated, but don't ignore it. Listen. Because until we can yield to a perspective that's outside of ourselves, we're not going to change. Ephesians 4, if you want to have a read at that, it outlines that God uses leadership in his church to bring his people to the full measure of Jesus Christ. So for anybody that would say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't do church. No, the Bible doesn't say that that's okay. You need to be locked into a church. You need to be yielded and submitted. Now, that doesn't mean that you're controlled. It is not our intention at all to control you. And if you ever felt that, that's a knock on the door and come and chat to us. What it's about is, let us lead you and lead you into life in all its fullness. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And 2 Corinthians twelve nine, he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in your weakness. We are all weak, every single one of us, but we're completely strong when we let God be strong in our lives. The more we let the light in, the more we understand. The more we see, the more we understand. And also, the less we tolerate. The more light that shines on your life, 
have you started to go, why do I do that? That just, that just doesn't make it. Why would I do that? It's like I'm taking a baseball bat and whacking myself in the head and then going, my head's sore again. And everybody's going, stop hitting yourself in the head with a baseball bat. But my head's sore. Put the baseball bat down. Is your head better? It is, actually. So the more that he exposes things in your life that are difficult for you or causing difficulty for you or for other people, just put the baseball bat down and stop tolerating it. The other thing about the dawn is the dawn transforms. How does it transform? Well, Romans 12 too, we banged on about this in the, um, the Mind Matter series. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. We have to allow the dawning light to transform how we think. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so he is, Proverbs 23, 7. How we think is the lens through which we view everything, whether that's ourselves, whether it's others, whether it's circumstances, whether it's God, whether it's our futures. We want to let the dawning light transform. And that's one thing that you'll find. When God beckons you into something and the light is rising on something, you start to think differently about it. If you're starting to think differently about yourself, let that happen. That's how you're going to be changed and transformed. Let the dawning light drive out all fear. First, uh, or Timothy 1.7, For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid or fearful, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And then the verse we all know, 1 John 4.17-19, Love has been perfected among us, so that we may have confidence on the day of judgment, for in this world we are just like him. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment. The one who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. So let the dark and the effects of what happened in the dark be driven out by the love of God. Does that sound like good news? Let him love the fear out of you. When you're fearful, call on his love. When you're scared about anything, Call on his love. God, would you love me right now? Or would you let me know that you love me? Or would you let me stand on the truth that you do love me rather than whatever the anxiety or fear is that you're experiencing? The light dawns on us for a reason. This is uh, from Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Jesus quoted this in Luke 4. He got up, he spoke it, he said, this today has been fulfilled in your hearing. And then he sat down and everybody stared at him like, who do you think you are? Because he said that he is the light of the world, we are the light of the world. This was Jesus' manifesto, this is our manifesto. Let the light of love rise on you for a reason. And the reason is not about you. It is about you. Why is it about you? Because it gets you out of the picture. The more whole and healed that you get up, the less it's going to be about you. Have you discovered that? The more that you let him heal you, you don't come with all of the package of the insecurities and I need this and I need this and I need this. You come in your wholeness into his presence and say, right, 
God, that you love me. Get that we're on a journey of wholeness. Not quite there yet, but you know what? I know that you are who you say you are, and you're good. Therefore, I can serve you, and I can serve you, and I can serve you, and I can bring this along and say this and do that, and I'm not diminished because of it, because I know who he is. He rises on us for a reason. The reason is restoration. God wants to restore what's been lost. The reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Can I get you guys up? Let me read this from Isaiah 58. Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of God will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here I am. Can I get you to stand with me? So this whole thing, all this whole series about the light of love, there's been so much of it that we've been saying, you need to know this. Where you feel that you cannot be forgiven, you need to know that you are forgiven and you need to die to the thought that actually I'm beyond it and it's not possible because he has died for you. This whole thing is about other people. This whole thing means that you become whole so that you can be the one that reaches out and says, come on up here. You can say to the people who are in prison, the prison doors are actually open. You can walk out. For those that are lame and don't know how to walk, you can go along, put your arm around them and say, come on, let's get these knees more strong so that you can walk and then you can run. Then what happens? They get whole. Then they reach out to the pool of influence that they have and they say, come on, this is possible. So this is good news. And we stand at the beginning of a new year new year that has fresh soil, a new year that if you ask the Spirit, there's fresh seed, a new year for you to become even more of a new you as you step out for others and step into what he has for you. So as always, there's questions to help you uh, respond. So as we've been speaking, are there any of you that really witnessed the fact that there's been a night before? that there's been difficulty, that there's been darkness, and actually you're no longer in the night, but you need to let go of what happened in the night. Do you need to awaken to the light of love? Do you agree with that kind of drowsiness that I've been talking about, that I don't want to wake up, it's just easier to be asleep? If that's you, then respond. Or do you want to step into why the light is dawning on you? the light is rising on you? Do you want to be the person that steps out and offers their hand